Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. As you know, I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with uh, one of my former students, Boomer Cruz. How are you, Boomer? Doing wonderful. Doing wonderful. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you, and um, and and I have to give I have to give Boomer props. Um, Boomer's probably going to sound better than me today because Boomer is sitting there in front of some like really fancy equipment. Um, I told him he should uh he should be launching his own podcast with the uh with the setup he's got going. I love it. So uh, thanks for thanks for that, Boomer. Uh, so uh, so Boomer is um uh, attended Cal Poly um uh, from 2006 to 2009. Um, and was on the men's soccer team. And then um, he uh, went on to the Academy of Art University in San Francisco. Many of our listeners will know about the Academy of Art and um, and received his uh, Bachelor of Fine Arts um, from uh, Academy of Art in um, 2014. And now he is currently uh, the senior manager, senior copywriter for Salesforce. Um, so Boomer, I'm, I'm I'm really excited for you to be able to tell your story. I know that that what you do is oversee people telling stories and telling stories yourself. And I have to tell people the story about why I chose you. I I was um uh I I you know spent a lot of time on LinkedIn trying to stay connected with um with with former students and partners of of uh, the department and. Um, Boomer's name popped up and I was like, oh, I remember Boomer. And um, and uh, he has this just fabulous um, as part of his, um, you know, the standard profile that people have on LinkedIn is like, you know, tells like what they do, this little bio. And instead, Boomer told a story and uh, it was a really cool story. So I hope all of our listeners will will connect with Boomer and uh, on LinkedIn and, and read that story that he tells. It was really cool. It drew me in. And, and Boomer, what we're doing now with experience industry management um, and, and really embracing the experience economy is uh, we do teach students now about storytelling and, and, and how important that is. And, and so I'm super excited to hear about what you're doing and, and all of that. And I'll stop talking and let you talk. Uh, tell us, tell us where you're from, Boomer. I am from, thank you for that intro. Love that. Um, I am from uh, Pleasanton, California in the East Bay area. Oh, okay, right on. I know Pleasanton. Yeah, of course. Um, what did your What did your parents do when you were growing up? My dad was a sales manager, so uh, he managed a regional sales team. And then my mom was a stay at home mom um, who also wrote articles. She wrote opinion pieces for uh, local magazines. Oh, right on. So you've got storytelling and sales in your background. I love it. It was a mashup of your parents. That's what you're doing, right? Pretty much. Yep. I love it. That's really cool. So what was, uh, you know, obviously I've, uh, I've already hinted at what, what young boomer was like and saying that you were on the, uh, on the men's soccer team at Cal Poly, but, uh, I'll, I'll ask you anyway, what, what was young boomer like? Was it all soccer all the time or what, what else were you into? I was all sports all the time. And I was just super enthusiastic about 
everything. <laughs> yeah. I had, a, I had a lust for life uh, growing up. And I still try to harken back to that every now and then. But you yeah. know, I, I love that. And I, and I do remember you because of your personality and um, uh, shining forth there. And uh, what about, I forgot to ask about siblings. You have brothers and sisters or? Yeah, I have a younger brother and a younger sister. My younger brother is 31. I'm 34 for reference. And then my sister is 25. Oh, wow. Okay. So you got a couple of empty nest, empty nester parents there, uh, living, living the life in, in Pleasanton. Uh, that's great. That's great. Um, so, uh, so tell me about Cal Poly. Obviously, uh, you were recruited to, to play on the men's soccer team and, um, uh, but, but tell us about that recruiting process. Uh, how did you choose Cal Poly and, and all of that jazz? Yeah, actually, um, it was a late, it was a late, uh, decision. Actually, I went to, um, a summer camp that, um, the new Cal Poly coach at the time, Paul Holliker, um, took over the program and, uh, had a, had like a camp over summer and I, and I attended. And, um, after that camp, after a couple of days, um, I got close with the coach and, you know, I, I got offered a, you know, to come to Cal Poly on a scholarship. So the only problem was my grades because I didn't have very good grades in high school. I think I had a 2.9. Wow. In high school. Right. So at first I wanted to study um, kinesiology because I thought that was kind of aligned with sports. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I was like, I don't know, kinesiology. And they were like, no, your GPA is not good enough for that. So I was like, okay, what about business? You know, just have like a general, you know, uh, BA in business or what is it? A, B, a bachelor's in business. Yeah. Um, couldn't do that. So then it was like, okay, what about recreation administration? You could study sports management. You can kind of follow the sports stream. If you don't go pro, then you can continue on with sports. And I, I said, that makes a lot of sense. So that's how I got to Cal Poly for, at, for rec. Right, right on, right on. Yeah. So, um, uh, uh, you had, you had mentioned, uh, you had mentioned that, that process offline and, um, you know, it's always, it's always interesting for me and, and, um, because, you know, with student athletes, we, we've heard that so many times over the years, um, and not, I don't mean just with our major, but I mean, with, with lots of different majors, right. Where, where student athletes don't really know and aren't really involved in the process and kind of get their majors chosen for them. And, you know, I know that, that athletic programs are, are working really hard to move away from that model. Um, but I mean, you know, the credible fact is, is if the, if the student doesn't have an idea and because Cal Poly, you have to declare in advance um, and that's not how it is at other places. Um, sometimes we have heard that, right. And it's not really that they chose for you. They're giving you options. They're like, Oh, we have this, we have this, we have this, but still that element makes it sometimes hard because, you know, whether you're 18 and you're choosing for yourself or you're 18 and someone else is kind of, you know, leading you in that direction, that's not always the path that you want to take. And so, um, I don't want to answer for you here, Boomer, but I, I, um, uh, I imagine it was a little bit difficult to really find your path academically when you were, were at Cal Poly. Is that, is that true or not? Definitely. Absolutely. I mean, it, you know, like you said, like 18 year old, 18 years old is, is, is so young to make any decision, any lasting decision like that. I mean, we really don't know who we are yet. You know? right. I really would have preferred to go into Cal Poly and study general and kind of just study general ed and then just figure it out from there and see what I'm, I'm, I'm passionate towards passion for because i remember i took a marketing class i took one marketing class at cal poly and i was like oh 
like writing taglines and stuff. This is easy to me. Like this is so, coming so easy. So, you know, yeah. I, I would have done that. Like I, if I was just, you know, studying general class, I would have focused on marketing because that's kind of where I, where my interest, you know, right. started, right. To, started to gravitate towards. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny too, you know, when you say that, because, um, and also if you had come into Cal Poly at a different time, um, we're now, um, we now have really, um, upped, upped our marketing game. So we have a sport marketing and fan experience class. Now we have an experiential marketing class. In addition to that general marketing class that you had to take back when you were at Cal Poly. And so, um, you know, I, I think maybe some of the changes that we've made with embracing experience design and this storytelling and all of that, I think that probably would have uh, possibly drawn you in a little bit more. Um, but, but you know, like you said, I I think it's also so difficult because I remember back to my period, my when I was an undergraduate, and one of the reasons why when I was doing research and and and, and reading about your story this morning, it really resonated with me is that. My second time around in graduate school, I was lucky enough to get into graduate school because my grades weren't great at all in undergrad, but I did kind of skate by, but I skated by really, really in a disengaged manner. I was not a great student and I barely went to class half the time. And, um, but then that second time around, you know, the light bulb went off and I, I found what I was passionate about and, um, and I just flourished from there. And, and it sounds like from, from reading what you've, what you've written um, on your uh, LinkedIn profile, it sounds like you had kind of a similar experience at Academy of Art. Um, so can you, can you walk us through how you ended up there and, um, and uh, your, your experience there? Yeah. <clears throat> well, it, it, was, it was my second coming as well. It was like my second chance, you know, because Cal Poly, I wasn't the greatest student. I just, I wasn't into it. I just wasn't passionate about what we were studying at the time. Yeah. And that's why I left because I was like, you know what? I want to be an inventor. Like that was what I wanted to do. Like I had this book of inventions. Like I would just collect inventions, have all these ideas all the time. Yeah. And so I went to, I went to, I, I looked for a program on what could I, what, bachelor because I, I needed to get a bachelor's because my parents were like you're going to get a bachelor's in something fair enough so i found all right what do inventors get a bachelor's in well it sounds like i should probably study uh you know product design so that's industrial design so basically it's like an architect for for everything else but a but a house right. pretty much like building anything right and uh, a cell phone uh, you know a cup or what, whatever anything else so um right went to the academy of art to study industrial design um, did that for one semester and was terrible at it. Was absolutely horrible at it. Just oh, like I, really, I, I, I dedicated to that more than anything in my like life. Like I did, I probably studied for twelve hours a day, like in the in the shop and like building, you know, shaving the wood carvings and drawing this. I couldn't draw though. That was my problem. Oh, so right. yeah, I've got that problem too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was the final class. My model making teacher was just like you know. Boomer, like, you know, come on, look around the class, look at your project and look at everyone else's project. Like you're doing, you know, you're, you're one semester in, like, you know, cut your losses and do something else, man. Yeah. And he literally told me that. And, well, um, well, that was, wow. What a, that's hard yeah. to tell a student, but that's pretty, that, it was hard, that, but then yeah, he said, that, you know, that's a tough thing to say, but that's a, that I'm sure you appreciated that in the I now, did. looking back I now. Did. I sure did because I right after that I was really upset. I got on the phone with my mom 
And um, I was like, you know, I just, I failed, you know, like I just, I'm here now. Like I'm at a, I just left Cal Poly. Like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life kind of thing? Yeah. And she was like, what other, what other majors are there? Like, just stay there. And what, like, what, what, what else they got? Well, the, you know, the first one on the list here is advertising. You know, you, you always have everything to say about TV commercials and billboards. So why don't you give that a shot? <laughs> and my mom's always a professional writer, as I said. So she always yeah. coached me on how to write better and everything else. So, um, yeah, I got into advertising, copywriting and yeah. the rest is history. And that was it. That was the snap uh-huh. that you needed. Well, good thing for alphabetical order, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Glad you didn't go to reverse and you're like a zoologist now. And you're like, really- <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. I love it. That is so great. So, so, uh, so now let's, uh, I really want to talk to you. I, I don't want to fast forward too much, but, um, but, but I think we're okay with ju- with jumping ahead because I I'm, I know that what you're doing now is um, re- really fascinating and 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 I want to talk to you about it and so so let yeah let's jump ahead so senior manager senior copywriter um, at Salesforce is is what you're doing and you know I mentioned to you offline that through George P Johnson and Dreamforce um which is is Salesforce's big conference every year um our, our uh, we have a, a ton of, of alumni that that obviously helped to put on um the Dreamforce and and then we we've had a number that have landed at Salesforce as well so um I, I'm really excited to talk to you about what you're doing so tell us in a nutshell, what's your, what's your, uh, what's your day? We'll start with the day to day. What's your day to day like as a senior manager, senior copywriter, you know, waking up in the log cabin and then what do you do after that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I sit down on my desk. I go through all my emails. Um, I I'm, I'm the type to get zero emails. Like, you know, I can't have a number of emails. I, it like distracts me. So I have to just like read through every email. And the way that I do it is I, when I open it, I respond to it. So if, if I don't open it and I don't respond right away, then I might not respond ever. So we have that in common. Yeah. 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 Except, so, except my, my number is like 5,321. Like occasionally people will, will look over my shoulder and see that I have that many unread emails. And, they, and, and if they're like you and type A, they, they freak out. They're like, what are you doing? Why do you have so many unread? I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I, I read the important ones. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. But um, yeah, and then and then I have, you know, a bunch of meetings all day. I mean, it's really just, I review, I have a, a creative team that I manage, help that I co-manage with my partner. Um, and I just look at copy all day. I approve copy and, um, you know, my writer sends me copy pretty much all day throughout the day. And him and I sit and we go through it together or I just say approve, ship it. Um, and then other than that, I sit in uh, meetings and strategy meetings and, you know, just yeah. basically set up a creative team for success and, and look ahead for opportunities for our creative team to, to flourish and to, to, to do interesting things and create more interesting experiences for, for our customers, for the, for the people that we're talking to. So, right. Well, to, but to get to that position as senior manager, I imagine that, that you must have, have flourished in, in that, that former role, right. When you were the one sending the senior manager copy. Right. And so, um, did you, did you coming out of Academy of Art, did you, did you feel confident right away in your, in your writing, um, in terms of, um, 
of advertising and writing copy and storytelling. What have you done over the years to improve as a storyteller? Yeah, so it's a good question. I mean, so coming out of Academy of Art University, um, I worked at a number of different advertising agencies in San Francisco for probably six or seven years. Mm-hmm. So advertising agencies, so, you know, will work on a number of different brands at any given time. So right. that was a, that was a test, um, or that was a, you know, a job in, um, you know, being very versatile with my writing. Like I had to write for Nordstrom Rack. So I had to speak to like a middle-aged woman basically. Right. right. And then I, I was going to say that, that must be like a test every day to yeah. like write differently. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's like a, you have, to, uh, it's almost, I, I like to put like, you know, copywriters are kind of like actors with words. And like the way that I like to write is like, I like to be like a method actor where like I really become like the person I'm trying to speak to. And I really like, I go on Reddit and I, you know, I read about what they're, what's keeping them up at night and like, you know, their, yeah. their problems and like, what do they, what do they think about all the time? Cause that's, you know, copywriting is really like, we're trying to enter the conversation that's already happening in someone's head. Mm-hmm. We're trying to just kind of seamlessly enter that conversation. Mm-hmm. So we really have to understand what conversation is going on. And so, you know, writing for Nordstrom Rack and then writing for Muscle Milk and then writing for Alaska Airlines and then writing for just all these different voices. It was, it was a really good, um, it was a really good challenge. And it was a, it was a really good like boot camp, I would say, for what I do now. Right. That's awesome. I love it. Um, and then, and then at, at Salesforce, I, I, I would assume you, actually, and not, not assume I'm looking right at, <laughs> I'm looking right at. It. So you started as a copywriter, right. And you, you were doing, yeah. you're doing that. And so, and then now you've moved up the ladder as, as a senior manager. And, and I know particularly in the creative fields, um, that, that element of, oh, now I've got to manage. I actually really kind of just like the creative side. <laughs> what has that transition been like? Yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing. I mean, I went from individual contributor to, you know, overseer of the process uh, yeah. of the copy. So yeah, it was, I mean, you know, I think what it is, is um, the shift that I saw was like, I kind of had to take like my ego out of it because you, you get less pats on the back when you're not the one writing the words and you're just the one now improving it and you're kind of guiding the process. Like yeah. the stars end up being the individual contributors, which I was used to being. I was used to kind of getting accolades and get it kind of being the center of like, congratulations for a project now i've like i've stepped back and i've like let i've basically created the stage for my writer my writers to you know the designers even to shine and to present their own work in meetings and like really be like the stewards for for our creative work so that's the shift and it was right. it was difficult at first yeah you know i think you just touched on a really important lesson boomer that i think a lot of people um, need to hear in, in moving forward with a career because I, I have had experiences in, in jobs where I remember distinctly like one of my uh, uh, a position that I had where, where I was told, hey, so um, this this guy uh, really likes to be the one that come up to come up with the idea. So even if you come up with the idea, you got to come up with a way to make him think that he came up with the idea or he'll never go for it. And I was like, <laughs> what? what? Yeah, like, we're on the same team and I've got to like pretend to make that this guy's like the one like, what's wrong with that picture? Right. But there really are people like that. And I think it's what you just said. It's that that being able to step out of the way, that that ego 
orientation of I've got to be all, I've always got to be the one to come up with the idea. And I, I imagine people in your position who fail are the ones who can't do that, who, who, you know, they get, they get copy from someone and then they end up, you know, rewriting it or trying to take the credit or whatever. I imagine that's, um, uh, I imagine that's probably one of the problems um, of a person in your position. Is that right? Absolutely. And I, you know, I actually, (laughs) for being from the agency side of things, I saw a lot of bad examples of what not to do. And like, I kind of, I, I took mental note, like, I'm not going to do that. When I become a creative director or a creative manager, I'm like, I'm not going to do those kind of things. Yeah. I learned learn by doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Learn about doing, learn about, by not doing. Yeah. Exactly. Learn by not doing. Yeah. Learn by watching and, and not doing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I, uh, I love that. So, so let's talk about the experience of working for Salesforce. You know, I've, um, uh, I've heard some some great things over the years, and I know Salesforce has gotten a lot of accolades over the years for their um, their company climate and um, and being just a, a great company to work for. And um, and so obviously, you know, we've we've all been through a, a pandemic, and and um, I would imagine that your business in particular and your area in particular was not as hard hit, obviously with. The, the the wheels of advertising and marketing and sales like continued on um, without missing a beat. But, um, you know, you're still going through a pandemic. We were all still going through a pandemic together. And so um, I, it, even, you know, I, I recognize that um, because I'm in one of those fields, right? We, we didn't miss a beat. We had to keep the cogs going, you know? And so, um, people are like, oh yeah, are you, are you just teaching virtually now? Well, I'm like, well, just teaching virtually. What do you mean? Like, I, this is like a completely new experience that we've had to, 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 to develop and create and learn together. And so, yeah, while I felt really lucky to have a job, don't get me wrong, it was still difficult because we're still all living in the middle of a pandemic. With um, and so, t- want do you mind if you don't mind? Um, can you talk about what that experience was like? Um, Salesforce and, and their support and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I actually started as a contractor at Salesforce when I was an individual contributor. Right. And then I got offered a full time job uh, in er, uh, late February of 2020. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> the first, the my first day, my first day on the job as a full time employee as a manager was at home. It was March 14th, I think, was the. So that was like the start of the pandemic. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, so, so you started yeah. in the log cabin. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, I started the log cabin pretty much. Yeah, full time employee of a log cabin at yeah. Salesforce. Yeah. But um, Salesforce, I mean, our marketing efforts ramped up like you know, exponentially over the pandemic because of course every company was trying to go digital. Every, all of our customers and even people, you know, even prospects, other businesses were trying to figure out a way to go digital now, like completely digital, running their business completely remote. And so Salesforce has those products. That's exactly what we sell. So um, our efforts just literally went through the roof. I mean, I've never, I probably never worked so hard at Salesforce over then over that pandemic, especially over those first couple months, mm. it was really intense. We put a lot of content out because a lot of companies needed help. So really, you know, we put a lot of, I mean, my team doesn't do like the content, like the article writing and stuff like that, but we have to write the promotions for the articles and stuff like wow. that. 
Right. So we we put out a lot of thought leadership. We put out a lot of like, you know, hey, it's going to be okay type of content. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what you can do from home. Here's how you manage your sales team remotely. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, it was like stuff that people needed to hear. So yeah. I read um, a few yeah. of those. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Very cool. So, so let's get into the log cabin. I want to hear about the log cabin a little bit. You know, uh, uh, Boomer, Boomer has, uh, I, I know about the log cabin because of his LinkedIn profile and he's got some, he has uh, uh, work, working from a log cabin as is as one of his taglines. Uh, it's, it's such a creative there, but uh, tell us about the log cabin. Where, where, where are you doing business from? Yeah. So, um, or can I you live, tell us, can you tell us? Yeah. Oh, I can, don't, want to, don't, don't give us any coordinates, you know, might, might be <laughs> up there, uh, might be up there trying to fish with you for, <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm not in witness protection, so I think I'm okay. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I used to live downtown San Francisco and as soon as the pandemic hit, I was month to month downtown San Francisco, you know, paying, you know, way too much in rent. And so as soon as it hit, I was like, Hey, call my dad. Like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming home. You know, I thought it was going to be for a month or two, you know, yeah. and I was going to go right back. But then here we are like two years later. So I'm at my dad's, uh, cabin on a horse ranch in Livermore. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. That's really yeah. cool. Um, now are your parents there too, or do you, do they give you some space? They're like, uh, they're, they're back in Pleasant enjoying their empty house. They're like, you take the cabin. No, actually, well, no, my just my dad is here and my sister is actually in like me, my dad and my sister live in like the main house. Oh, so right. it's, you know, and we, we there's a lot of space here so we don't really like right. it's comfortable. It, nice. it is comfortable. Like I have nice. my own space. He has his own space. My kind of my sister has her own space. Right. And then my brother actually, my brother lives with his wife and two children uh-huh. in in a, in a uh, apartment that's in the barn on the property. Oh, so no we're like way. We're all here. My mom, my dad, and my mom aren't together anymore. They split okay. like maybe like six or something years ago. Okay. But she lives, uh, she lives nearby too. So I see her. See her too. Oh yeah. wow, that's so. That sounds so idyllic. I love it. That's um, yeah. I you know I was I was picturing like up in the mountains, like in a, and then I started thinking to myself, he's got to have better internet connection than that. He's probably not up in the mountains <laughs> with a log cabin. But uh, so uh, on the family ranch. So that wow, that sounds just idyllic, and, and what a fun time and get to be a you, you get to be a uh, uncle Uncle Boomer. I'm sure Uncle Boomer's playing kicking the yep. soccer ball around with the little ones and whatnot. And yep. yeah, is that right? That's right. Uncle boom. That's me. Yeah. Yep. Uncle boom. I love it. So, um, so tell me, let, let's talk a little bit about, um, advice that you would give to, you know, as I mentioned to you with that, with our experience design, storytelling is a big part of, of what we're, what we're teaching students now. What, what advice would you give for, for students who are interested in going into that creative side of, of the business uh, marketplace? I, you know, I would say if, if a student kind of knows their creative early on, I, I would, I would highly suggest to taste different, different portions of that experience because there's a lot of different, there's a whole job for just the visuals. There's a whole job for just the words. There's a whole job for the production of it, you know, just organizing the pieces and, finding the venues and putting up the, you know, there's, there's, there's so many different jobs that go along with this line of business. So what I would suggest, I wish I, you know, I I wish I would have known this earlier is just like, 
what I could do, like my options that I could pursue, like the avenues that I could pursue. Because I just, I just didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. So you know, the only way I found out was because I kind of stumbled into it. But I, you know, I wish I would have went to a job fair or something. Right. Right. Spoke to a creative director, and then they went, "Oh yeah, well you can be a copywriter, a strategist, a production artist." So you know, and I'd be like, "Oh cool," and I would have probably tried those things out, and probably would have found out my passion sooner. Right. So taste, taste different things. I you know, love it. That's yeah. yeah, yeah, I love it. That's such great advice, and that's one of the things that I'm trying to do with this podcast. Right? You know, when we started experience industry management, my idea with the podcast was, hey, we we, we we've got to let people understand and know what this is, right? <laughs> you know, so experience our industry. And and one of the things yeah. that we've realized is that it has opened the world up, um, right? I mean, you know, when you started in 2009, um, the idea of, of being uh, a, a senior manager, senior copyright was not that was not under the realm of what we were doing at all, right? And um, and now it really it really is. It becomes a, a part of it, and um, and so I think that part is is pretty fascinating. And I think that's just great advice for to to experiment. You know, I mean, I wanted to go into sports information until I learned what sports information really was, you know, and I followed the sports information director around on game day. And I was like, there's no way I could do this. I do not want to do this. Yeah. She is juggling way too many balls. I'm not very good at juggling three balls. She has like 15 in the air. I'm like, ah, that this this is driving me nuts. I definitely don't want to do this. So it's like one of those things, like checking off the boxes, like the X X marks, like, yeah, don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. So, uh, and you know, I, I, we, we didn't really get to talk about it. So let's, um, let's, let's circle back a little bit here too. Um, Salesforce. So Mm -hmm. Salesforce is a company and, and the company culture and, the support that they've given during the pandemic, what's that been like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's been it's been top notch. I mean, just top notch. We have weeks where we don't have meetings. We have async weeks. We just actually this week is an async week. We have no meeting. That's why we're able to meet this morning. Nice. Uh, um, it just all every resource that you could think of, Salesforce has it. I mean, there's wellness. There, there's there's a wellness meeting every day, like where we can just meditate if we want. Um, I mean, Salesforce is a really, really brilliant company, and it it really is like one of the best places to work. I know they get like accolades, like formal, formal awards on that, but like I can tell you from just firsthand, like it, like everyone that works at Salesforce, I feel like is is very smart and very nice. That's kind of the culture: smart and nice. And, be smart, be nice. I like it. <laughs> smart, be nice. That's it. That's it. You know, and right. yeah, and like. I, I will say too, I wanted to make a comment on the end, the experiences part of things because yeah. Salesforce is, I mean, that that's like our biggest thing uh, is, is creating experiences. Like, like Salesforce doesn't follow the the format of like Microsoft or, or, you know, or Cisco or any, we don't, we don't operate like a B2B company. We operate like Disney. Mm-hmm. We take our cues from Disney because Disney is one of the greatest experience companies there ever is. There is. Right. right. And so, Dreamforce was, you know, inspired by a small Disneyland. I mean, that's what we, that's like our inspiration. We take cues from Disneyland, literally. Yep. And, um, you know, when we do webinars, when we do any kind of virtual events, we try to, you know, improve the experience. You know, like we do a virtual event, we send the, you know, the attendees some package 
where they can interact with it in real time, you know, tactically while they're participating in the virtual event, for example, just to improve the experience. So it's like um, my, my creative director sometimes says, he says, you know, we're pretty much an experienced company that sometimes does marketing. Yeah. I love it. it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I shared, I shared an article, um, uh, recently about that experience economy that, um, and, and, and how that shift is happening. And so I love hearing you, um, reflect on it because we've, you know, we've seen it and we've embraced it. And, um, you know, Dr. Hendricks was, was visionary along those lines and helping, uh, helping, uh, lead, lead our path towards it. Um, but I think probably um, one of the, the strongest elements was seeing our students landing in these spots, right? And, and, yeah. and seeing their, their titles, like, uh, you know, director of experiences, director yeah. of fan experience, like stuff like that. And we're like, oh, wow, this experience yeah. economy stuff really is catching hold. And, you know, after, you know, a couple of years of, of, um, uh, of going down that path, um, our, our, our business school still had never even heard of experiential marketing. Like they, wow. they, they still weren't teaching experiential marketing. We got, we were able to get a class on the books, experiential marketing. And they were like, uh, we were like, are you, are you guys sure you're okay with that? And they were like, we don't know. We don't even know what that, we don't know what that is. Why, why, why would we, <laughs> why would we care about that? We're like, um, well, it is the wave of the future, but okay, yes, let's go forward with it, you know? And so uh, uh, I, I wonder if now they're like, uh, why do we allow them to teach experiential marketing? <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so, uh, so it's really cool to hear you, to hear you say um, that, that you're seeing it um, there on the ground and um uh, I, Boomer, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you uh, taking the time and, and being willing to talk to me. And, um, you know, I, I like like I said earlier, um, I, I just think it's so important for people to to hear stories that that aren't necessarily linear in nature. Right. Aren't necessarily typical in nature. And um, because I think we all have this tendency to 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 feel like there's, oh, there's one path, you know, you graduate high school and then you go to college and you know exactly what you want to do at 18. And then you move forward in life and, uh, attack that. And that's just not reality. That's not how life goes. And so, um, I, uh, I appreciate you sharing your story and being willing to share your story and, um, and, uh, yeah, man, uh, so great to catch up with you and appreciate you taking the time. I'm absolutely honored that you asked me to be on this podcast. Let me tell you, I mean, you, you were my favorite professor at, oh. at Cal Poly, just, just letting you know. I and when you reached, you reached out, I was like, wow, just like, you know, because I left Cal Poly. I mean, I didn't finish Cal Poly. So there was almost, you know, some harboring guilt that I kind of held about that. And when you reached out, it, 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 it released a lot of that for me, to be honest with you, because I was like, oh, man. I, I, now I can give back to Cal Poly. Now I can give, right. like, cause Cal Poly gave me a lot and right. you know, I left Cal Poly and I don't want Cal Poly to think that I don't have any, you know, like any gratitude for, for, for Cal Poly anyway. So thank right. you so much for having me on. This is really, really nice. Well, you know, I, um, yeah, absolutely. And, um, I don't, don't, um, 
I'm, I'm glad that we can wash away. I'm glad we can wash away some of that guilt because that's the, there's none. Uh, there, there should be none whatsoever. I mean, we're all trying to find our path in life. And, um, and, uh, you know, like you said, at, at 18, um, pretty much getting your major chosen for you is not necessarily, um, the best, uh, uh path. I mean, in, in terms of, um, in terms of success, it could be right. But, uh, but I am, I'm super glad that you, I'm super glad that you found that, um, found that calling and are being successful with Salesforce. And now, you know, it's like full circle, right? It's the experience industry uh, um, coming back to embrace you. And so uh, hopefully we can, um, maybe we can uh, partner um, at some point down the line because um, we, like I said, we have faculty who teach storytelling. And um, from what I've seen, uh, like I said earlier, your LinkedIn just drew me in with your story about uh, in your bio. And um, I, I think that's uh, if we're looking at um, if we're looking at examples, I like your example way more than the typical <laughs> one. <laughs> Appreciate that. Appreciate yeah. That. All right. I would Thanks. love to part. And I would yeah. absolutely I would love to partner, by the way. I would love to. I, used to, I actually um, taught at Academy of Art University a couple of years after I graduated. So, Did you really? Yeah. Awesome. So I'm passionate about this space too. So, yeah, Awesome. To we'll, we'll announce it right here, right now. Um, faculty at Cal Poly uh, in our um, experience <laughs> industry management department. Give Boomer a call if you need him to guest lecture on storytelling. And um, and um, I'm sure I'm sure some of our students will reach out to you too. Um on I, I I tell them all to use LinkedIn because that that's what I use. I think it's a great way to connect with alumni and with professionals. And so, um, thanks so much, Boomer. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. I really all appreciate right. this. See ya. <laughs>